and welcome to the Wage and Hour podcast. This is put on by Fisher and Phillips, and this is a podcast that explores questions and ideas associated with an employer's desire to pay its employees properly. My name is Haygood Ty, and I have the pleasure of serving as the co-chair of the Fisher and Phillips Wage and Hour Practice Group. One of the nice things about my role is I get to work with lawyers like the two that we're going to talk to today, who, in addition to being very skilled at what they do, are also great people and great friends of mine. And I have with me Matt Korn and Ben Duddick, who are both located in the Columbia, South Carolina office. Today, we're going to be talking about an issue that many employers are now facing, and that is remote employees but even more specifically, wage and hour issues that sometimes arise with remote employees. So Matt, let me ask you this. When we start thinking about remote employees, what sort of problems might employers be concerned about that deal with wage and hour issues or the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act? Sure, thanks, Hagood. We've seen kind of a number of issues over the last several years, really during COVID, a lot more people started working remotely. And so we've seen a number of issues kind of creep up and, and just employers need to kind of be aware of so that we can make sure we're not getting into hot water by allowing the employee to work remotely. One of those issues is potential for misclassification claims. So here we're discussing specifically exempt employees, people who are exempt from the overtime minimum wage requirements. And that's based on how much we pay them and how we pay them on a salary basis. But the exemptions also require that you meet certain job duty tests. And as we've seen over the last several years, when people start working remotely, it's possible that their job duties have changed. And if the job duties change such that they wouldn't support the exemption, that can create a problem. Similarly, we're talking about the FLSA primarily, but different states have different tests for exemption. So if an employee previously was working for you in one state that allowed for an exemption, but is working remotely in another state that doesn't allow for the same exemption, then you could find yourself with a misclassification claim. Another issue we've seen is hours worked um, and how do we track hours worked? So are people working before they're clocking in or are working after they clock out? Are they working on weekends? Are they checking emails? Um, it's harder to track what our employees are doing when they're not in the office. And so uh, employers have had to start looking at how do we track these hours worked? How do we establish clear policies and make sure that we're paying employees for the time they're working to avoid issues there? A third issue would be just recording time and, and how are people including their time in recording to make sure that they are tracking it appropriately. Some employers are tracking, you know, exactly what employees are doing on the computers. Some employers are setting clear expectations with policies and procedures, but we do need to make sure that employees are recording all the time they work because the FLSA requires that we pay for all time that employees are suffered or permitted to work. Meaning if they're doing productive work for us, we have to pay for it. And finally, just pre-shift and post-shift activities. This, this is another issue that comes up. If, if it takes time for employees to boot up their computer in some areas of the country, that might be time that we have to pay for. If there are other amounts of time that take to get logged into the phone system 
or to do other things related to working remotely, um, we need to make sure we're tracking and paying for that time. Well, Matt, thanks. I'm sure that you're probably looking at this through the eye of a class action litigator because I know you handle a lot of wage and hour class and collect action litigation all around the country. So that's very insightful. Now, Ben, when we start thinking about our remote employees, I know that you have over the last really, I guess, couple of years ever since COVID came about, have started spending a lot more of your time focusing on just what it is an employer needs to think about in terms of local wage and hour laws or special rules or laws that have been passed by jurisdictions like states or cities or even counties. Are there any of those that you think we ought to be telling people about as part of this discussion? Thanks, Haygood. Yeah, we've been seeing a, a lot of employers realize that, you know, the law that they're, you know, maybe their headquarters is, is not going to apply to a remote employee in other states. And generally speaking, the law of the state where an employee is performing work for the employer will apply to that particular employee. So given most remote employees are working from their home, the law of their home state will apply no matter where your headquarters may be. So there are several types of wage and hour laws for employers to start looking out for for their remote employees. First, minimum wage and overtime laws. Although the FLSA's minimum wage is currently $7.25 per hour, employees need to make sure they're complying with any applicable state or local minimum wage law, laws that are often higher than the FLSA. And as you mentioned, this can be difficult as even cities and counties may have their own minimum wage ordinances. Employers really need to take, you know, a targeted approach to seeing where your remote employees are and, and what laws apply. While the FLSA requires overtime for all hours worked over 40 hours in a work week, some states have different rules on overtime. For instance, California has daily overtime rules. As Matt mentioned, for exempt employees, employers need to be aware that even though an employee may meet one of the exemptions under FLSA, they may not meet an exemption under state law due to higher salary threshold or different duties tests. Second, meal and rest break laws. Although the FLSA doesn't require employers to provide meal or rest breaks, a good number of states do require them. And there has been a lot of litigation surrounding meal and rest breaks. Third, employers should also be aware that many states and localities have paid sick leave laws. And employers are often surprised to find that their current PTO or vacation policies are, are often not compliant with these paid sick leave laws. Fourth, some states require employers to provide written notice of various terms and conditions of employment, like normal wages and hours, um, and that notice needs to be given at, at hire, and in some circumstances when those terms change. And finally, employers need to review any state business expense reimbursement laws. In some states, you may be required to reimburse your remote employees for their internet, phone, and other things they use for work. Well, thanks, Ben. You know, I know that you have spent a lot of time looking at these issues over 
the last couple of years. And one of the things that I know that you and I've talked about in dealing with some of our clients is the importance when employees are authorized to work remotely, the importance of the employer knowing the state or jurisdiction where they work, where the individual employee is working, so that the company can be sure that its policies and procedures are tuned in, adapted, and compliant with the local laws. So when we think about the companies that you've worked with in different parts of the country, what sort of tools do you think are helpful for those employers to be sure they're compliant with these local wage and hour laws that you've been talking about? Yeah, a few things. Uh, one would be a remote employee work acknowledgement or agreement that kind of sets forth the understandings and, and the rules of the road, so to speak, with the remote work arrangement. As you said, we've had some employers come to us and say, hey, uh, an employee just told us they've been working in Montana for the last year and we didn't know about it. So that creates a whole host of issues, tax and compliance issues. So in your policy or in acknowledgement, we highly recommend you require employees to inform the company before they move to a different state and make you aware of where they are. Other ways to get into compliance with these state wage and hour laws uh, review your job descriptions. Um, as Matt said, you know, as job duties change when employees go remote, you need to make sure you are in compliance with any federal and state exemption laws. And a lot of what I do for our clients is review handbooks for companies that have employees all across the country. Make sure your policies are compliant. And we highly recommend creating state-specific handbook addenda covering these state and local employment laws so you, your remote employees and HR have a clear understanding of the types of leaves, breaks, and other employment conditions that may apply. Well, those are great suggestions. Matt, are there other ideas that you have that our employers ought to be thinking about here? Yeah, absolutely. And Ben just mentioned something, having your handbook and your addenda so that your HR department knows what's going on. I think it's important also to make sure your managers and supervisors understand what the rules are. So, you know, when somebody goes and works remotely in a state that has meal or rest break requirements that didn't exist in the state where they were working in the facility or in the office, your managers need to understand that so that they make sure that people are getting the appropriate breaks and meals. Managers need to understand the hours worked issues and make sure they're enforcing the company's policy that all time should be tracked and recorded and paid and not discouraging people to work off the clock or allowing, you know, employees to say, Hey, I'm just going to put in an extra hour today. Don't worry about it. I just want to, I want to get this project done. We need to make sure that managers are trained to identify those issues. Um, so they're the front line. They're the people that are going to raise the issues to HR and they need to understand these issues. And some other, you know, ideas is doing an audit, just kind of conducting periodic audits to make sure you're in compliance with federal and state wage and hour issues. A lot of companies do those as self audits. Other companies decide to bring in outside employment attorneys to help with those audits, which can help kind of keep the results of the audit confidential or privileged. So in all of these issues, these are complex issues, especially if we're going into a variety of states with a lot more requirements than you're used to. It's a good idea to reach out to somebody to talk through them. Well, thank you, Matt. You know, one of the things that occurs to me is that 
remote work has become so much more common since COVID. And there are many pluses to that. But a lot of times, our, as you were saying, our managers and supervisors have been accustomed to managing or supervising employees who are in the same physical location with them. And it really is, in some respects, a different skill set to supervise and manage these employees when they're working remotely and may require different ways of tracking and ensuring that they are working the time they say they are and things of that nature. So I do think you're right. Providing good training to our supervisors and managers on how to ensure compliance with these laws is critical. So I want to thank Matt Korn and Ben Duddick for being with us here today. Both of them are very active participants in the Fisher and Phillips Wage and Hour Practice Group. If you've got questions about remote employees, feel free to reach out to either of them with the questions that you have. I would also encourage you to visit our website. We have a place on the Fisher and Phillips website where you can sign up to receive wage and hour insights on a regular basis that provide good background information on wage and hour issues, as well as breaking cases and new laws that are passed. And there is a lot of other information there, including free resources related to wage and hour matters. So again, that's at fisherphillips.com. We also host these podcasts on a regular basis, and I would encourage you to subscribe and listen to other podcasts that we've done on different wage and hour subjects. I hope all of you have a great and safe day. Thank you. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation.